applaud. <laughs> That's the way it is. There will be some recorded applauds. But by the way, I'm asking our listeners what their emotional intelligence would be from one to ten. Have you done any tests on this, and you know your own one? Yes. Uh, in fact, we have an assessment with Telex, and it actually keeps changing. The good news is it can evolve. You know, on a day when we are stressed, we are less emotionally intelligent. When we are calm, relaxed, we can use our full potential. Ooh. All right. So, <laughs> the uh, uh, poll is on. I'm yes. leaving it there. Welcome. Thanks. Thank you so much. And hey, how much I would have loved to connect with all of you, to meet you personally, to talk, to interact. And quite frankly, connection is easy. It is natural to us. We are wired to connect. And that's what I would like to talk about. The social brain. The social brain 4.0. You know, a couple of years ago, scientists discovered something amazing. Working with monkeys at that time, they wanted to understand whether there are certain areas in our our brain with, which function uniquely when certain movements are performed. So if I put up my arm, what's happening in my brain? Are there certain areas which only then and then operate, function and connect? And they found, yes, that's the case. Very interesting, fascinating, but something else happened. The story goes that uh, one of the scientists came closer to a monkey and uh, all the machines to, to, to measure the activities in the brain were still installed. So he took a cup of tea, put up his arm, and what they found was amazing. The same parts in the brain, which are active only if the monkey puts up the arm, also connected when the monkey did not put up the arm, but the scientists. Wow. This was the birth of the understanding of what are mirror neurons. In my brain, in your brain, we have neurons which connect, which exactly replicate the emotion that somebody else goes through, the emotions that somebody else goes through. How amazing. So compassion and um, empathy is very natural when we are really present. Wonderful. But now we live in a new age, in a new normal. Actually, today itself, we experience how it is to interact when we cannot meet personally, right? And more and more, we work in hybrid organizations, in organizations where we meet once in a while, but yet most of the time we interact through the digital space. And what scientists found out now is that, unfortunately, when we meet now, you and me, in this conference, through the virtual space, my mirror neurons if I would see you and your mirror neurons, as you see me, don't work in the same way. So if I frown normally, your mirror neurons would be active and inside you, you would be frowning as well and it would be very easy to connect to me. You would feel my nervousness straight away. But right now, looking through the screen that you're looking through, these mirror neurons have difficulties really doing their job. Yes, scientists do believe that we will be able to develop and our brain always has evolved and will be able to do that job. But right now, in our organizations, we need to address and deal with that because in today's world, everything is about connection. It is about using collective wisdom. It's about collaboration. We need innovation and innovation happens when we collaborate. And co collaboration happens when we empathize, we trust, and we are able to understand what's going on in another person. So we need emotional intelligence 4.0.
What is emotional intelligence? You know, emotional intelligence is that ability to do f six things. The first one would be understanding our own emotion. Understanding our own emotion, being self-aware. And that's the basis for us to be able to manage. That's the second piece, to manage our emotions, right? So first I need to not notice what's happening in me while I'm talking to you. If I'm nervous, I should be able to notice it while I'm talking to you. And that's the basis for me to be able to manage it. Can I do it or not? Do I have skills? We can develop them. And once I'm clear in myself, I'm ready to connect. I'm ready to do the third step, which is that social awareness. Right? If I'm so stressed myself, it is difficult to reach out and understand what's going on in you. I don't have space in me. Social awareness, and that's the building stone for relationship management. Relationship, yes, at work is about doing things. But more important than doing things is how we feel about each other. Will you agree? Managing the relationships on an emotional level. The fifth step then is having that inner space and the ability to understand what's happening in a social system. If I would now be with you, 500 people in this hall, I would be wanting to sense what's going on, right? Having that inner space, the ability, and then the ability to actually influence a culture in the organization, building a culture of emotional intelligence. Now, emotions govern everything we do. Let me ask you one question. I wanted to show with you a beautiful beach. Right now we are in lockdown. This morning I was not even able to go to the swimming pool right in the hotel. And so all of you are suffering the consequences. Now let's think back of times where we were able to go to a nice beach. Right? Do you remember? Now, sometimes at a nice beach we enjoy, we are happy, we are well. But have you ever experienced a situation where you were in a great outer situation at the beach or somewhere else in your holiday? But maybe you had a fight with your partner. Maybe you looked at your mobile and you had a bad news. And there it was. The mood went down. I'm sure if I would now ask the question, you would actually raise the hand. It's natural. In the same way, maybe you have been in a very unfortunate situation, maybe in a traffic jam, on the way to an important meeting. And actually, the situation was terrible. But maybe you listened to a nice song, you, suddenly you got a good news, you started a good conversation, and you actually felt happy, isn't it? It is the state of our mind, it is our emotions which gov govern our experiences. And our emotions govern almost everything, right? They impact our ability to pay attention, right? If right now you have so many emotions, how do you want to pay attention? Our decision-making, do you remember the moments you wanted to take a decision? You think of option A, huge emotions come up, okay, let me do B. But now that I think about B, another set of emotions come up. Your ability to um, be physically health, your mental health, your job performance, it all depends very much on our emotions. Yet, there's a myth. There is the myth that at work we should keep the emotions outside, outside the door, right? Professionalism many a times is associated with being what? 
being like a Teflon, you know, not showing any, any emotions. Is that possible? Well, you just had your lunch break. Maybe you looked quickly at your emails. You look at 10 emails, I guarantee you, guarantee you. Each email brings up different emotions, isn't it? So emotions are all over the place. Or we are in a meeting, in a business meeting. We talk about what we want to do. Somebody comes up with an idea. I actually like the idea, but I don't like the person. I catch myself not wanting to support an idea because I disagree with the person. So emotions are everywhere. We need to do away with that myth. So the emotional intelligence is the ability to manage the emotions, to make use of the gift of the emotions and manage the risk, right? So managing my own emotions and being able to connect to the other. Yes? Um, whenever there is any question yeah. on, uh, on what we can ask our uh, people listening, I'm ready also to uh, get in. But if we talk about uh, emotion, em, em, emo, emotional intelligence, yeah. uh, the results so far is 7.6 yeah. for our viewers. And um, mostly it's 7 and 8. There are some 9. Wow. 2% 2 10. Okay. And 1% 1. one. <laughs> yeah. so you are definitely sincere, and that's great. Yeah. You know, self-awareness is the starting point for development and growth. Well, that's very interesting. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. You know, over these couple of days, you have been discussing what really matters, what impacts performance at work. Yeah? And obviously, a very important part is the experience somebody has. We hire somebody because he has a great degree. What is also a lot discussed is intelligent. Intelli intelligence, right? Am I intelligent? This is an intelligent person. Very important, no doubt. Then personality. So many tests at work on finding out what personality am I? Is that a good match? But then where is the place of emotional intelligence? It's interesting to think about. Research has shown that, for example, um, researchers suggest that, as you see here, people with an average IQ outperform those with a high Q in about 70% of the cases. Interesting. So IQ is not all that matters. We know it. Let's look at the importance of emotional intelligence and performance. In fact, research has shown that 90% of high performers are also high on emotional intelligence. And only 20% of low performers are high on emotional intelligence. So there's a great correlation. I want to ask the question, and maybe here you could help me, Val. Yeah. I would like to ask the question, in school, if you take your mind back, or at home, if you remember, what were you thought, taught? How, how were you supposed to deal with these big negative emotions when they came up? Yeah? Remember the good old days? <laughs> Maybe with our parents or at school, we felt upset. What did our parents teach us? What were we taught at school? And uh, we are now opening also a poll. And uh, in Latvian, that would call uh, or sound 
Kā tev skolā mācīja tik galā ar negatīvajām emocijām? Droši var rakstīt latviski, es arī stūkošu. So I will translate from Latvian whenever that will come in. Um, what they say normally is no one taught me. Uh, sorry, but no. Sorry, no. We had to do it ourselves. N uh, of course, we were taught not to show the emotions. Yeah. Uh, cope with them. You know, um, man up. Yes, man up. Yeah, man up. Uh, then calm down, and uh, at those times, no one taught us something like that. No, none, no, no. And then there was also some keep it to yourself. Yeah. Uh, shut up. Yeah. Breathe. Aha. Uh -huh. And then only speak. Okay. But it was not taught at school. I taught it myself. Aha. Uh -huh. Count until ten. <laughs> uh, no one taught me. Just said. Don't do it. Uh -huh. And uh, then someone was taught also, let it go or be a good girl. <laughs> so what were you thought, taught, actually, if you remember? Um, I remember that was the middle of 80s and, um, yeah, end of 80s. And you, you were left alone with that. Yeah, yeah. If you were lucky and you had parents who knew yeah. something about it. But normally... You know, normally there was a belt to help you to cope with your negative emotions. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. We have a saying in Latvian, um, shut up when uh, adults are speaking. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, you learned it very quickly. But there was also a fortunate ones, as we can see. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much to all of you uh, for participating. That, that really makes me uh, feeling connected to all of you now. And to you, of course, thanks for your openness. Um, you know what? Um, you're not alone, and, and, and you're not alone. Same for me, really. What I remember, and I have asked these questions to thousands and thousands of people. Number one answer is they were asked to basically suppress it, to deal with themselves, to come back when they are good again. You know, does that really work? Science would say not at all. It is more or less like, and I see there's one Coca-Cola over there. It's basically like, you know, mixing up and shaking a Coca-Cola or a soda bottle and then really opening once you have sh uh, 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 shaken it very well. And you, we all know the result. It's not very tasty, right? The more we suppress an emotion, the more it ferments and comes up. And when it comes up, it creates a lot of damage. And that, from a neuroscientific perspective, can be very well explained. It's fascinating to think about it, you know? Let's assume you're in a meeting and somebody upsets you. The first thing that happens if we have a, ne a negative emotion in our system, it takes about, 100, about 150 milliseconds for the amygdala, a part of the limbic brain, a part of the autonomous nervous system, to be activated. So our system is on fire. We all know that feeling. Interestingly, we don't know yet why we are on fire. It takes about 750 milliseconds for the prefrontal cortex, the thinking part of the brain, to be activated. Now we know. I'm upset because of you. And if we have thought that the best way to deal with the emotions, we will to push it away, we will push it away. We are sitting in the meeting and we are pushing it away. But research has shown the more we push it away, the more the act amygdala gets activated and when the amygdala is too much activated it sucks absorbs all the energy and there's no energy left 
for the frontal cortex, for rational thinking. So we are sitting there, full of emotion, unable to think, and dealing with the situation very badly. I have experienced it many times, and I'm sure we all have. So how to deal with it? And why do we actually still suppress our emotions many a times? That, that, that would be actually interesting to, to think through and have a dialogue. Why then do we suppress our emotions? Well, the irony is we suppress them because we want to have a good relationship, right? If we are in a sitting in a meeting and we are realizing I'm so upset, we anticipate that it is no good to express it because I could damage the relationship. Unfortunately, the way we human beings are wired, when we sense that somebody else is not authentic, so somebody else in front of you is upset but not showing that emotion, when we sense inauthenticity, our discomfort starts. We are getting stressed. And we will start feeling a certain distance. The blood pressure goes up. So let's look at that phenomena in a different way. As you might know, for children, horse therapy can be very healing. But as you also might have experienced, some of us, we are afraid of horses. So when a child is taken for horse therapy, sometimes the child gets very much scared. And horses are very sensitive, and so they start jumping, right? The heart uh, pressure goes up uh, in the horse, it gets stressed, and when a horse is stressed and starts moving, it is dangerous. So guess, what is the one thing which is typically recommended for children to do when they are meeting a horse and they are scared? I think it's beautiful. They are asked to simply say to the horse, you know, dear one, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And Although the horse doesn't understand, obviously, the language of the child, it actually will calm down. It works. Authenticity works, right? The child is being authentic, and the horse starts to relax. So suppression doesn't work, right? And telling to somebody else, keep calm, and we have all done it, definitely doesn't work. Maybe together we should take a vow. <laughs> Never ever telling somebody else, you know, just relax, keep calm go away to deal with the emotion. Now, I wanted to also share with you a couple of positives. I want a couple of ideas, actually three, how we can better deal with emotions, right? The first one would be reappraisal. An interesting one. Two days ago, I got an email from Danius in the morning. I was surprised. He writes at 7.38, the conference is going to be only digital, um, lockdown in Riga, etc. Now, this wasn't the good news, right? An emotion came up in me. And when we experience negative emotions, one of the ways that science has suggested works is reappraisal. What does it mean? Okay, I get, for example, a parking ticket in Riga. Um, I'm upset, and then I tell to myself, you know what, I'm going to change the narrative. Let me look at this... 30 euros which I'm spending as a donation to the city of Riga, beautiful city, let me donate it. And the stress goes down. Or maybe some of us speakers, not for you, I see you are so cool, cool calm and relaxed, but some of us, we are nervous, so when you think of your session, 
maybe you realize, oh, I'm having all these negative thoughts. I will fail, not remember. So you sit down and you imagine that no, no, this is going to work out well. You're going to imagine you're going to be so relaxed, and people going to love it. And indeed, your fear goes away. It works. It can work. But when we find out that maybe our partner has been cheating on us, when we are fired, when the house is on fire. Telling to ourselves, "Yeah, no problem. The house is on fire, but life is good." It simply doesn't work. We all have experienced emotions which are so strong that a cognitive approach doesn't work, and then we are at loss if reappraisal is all we know. And there, actually, I want to come back to a very uh, uh, interesting comment that you had read out, uh, Val. That was about the breath. Oh yeah, just uh, breathe. Uh, breathe deeply, and everything will be fine. Somebody even says, "Count until 100." Okay, that's a good one. So, may I invite you at your screen to take a long, deep breath in right now? I will also do it. The breath holds a secret. It holds a secret. It holds actually so many secrets that we could do an own conference only on the breath. Let me tell you two of them. One, the breath is probably the best way to deal with the autonomic nervous system. The amygdala we talked about it. Part of the limbic brain is part of the autonomous nervous system. I cannot tell to my amygdala, "Dear amygdala, relax." Right? It doesn't listen to me. The same with the heart, the inner organs. If I stand here and I'm nervous and I tell to my heart, which is beating too fast, just relax, it doesn't listen. There's many parts in our system. Thankfully, imagine you would need to manage your heart on the top of all the duties of life. Thankfully, they are managed by intelligence, which is part of the autonomous nervous system. And there's two big players. One is the parasympathetic nervous system. When it is activated. We are relaxed. We can sleep, digest, and smile. But when we need to run, we need the activation of the sympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system is fantastic because it activates us for fight and flight. So, through particular breathing techniques, we can either activate the parasympathetic nervous system. Or the sympathetic nervous system and manage our emotions. And you are sitting now in front of the screen. And while、well, I will just take a minute to do a short breathing technique. Cool.、Yeah? Is that cool? So, dear friends and maybe dear technicians, you could do it as well. I would like to invite you to sit up on your chair, put away if you have your mobile phones, and just for a moment focus on your breath. And you could do that by putting one hand on your belly, and one hand on the chest. Right, not on the neighbor, dear friends. Here, on your own. Okay, then close your eyes, and for a moment, just observe the rhythm of your breath. Just observe it. Scientists say that we use only about thirty to seventy percent. Of our lung capacity. Can you feel the rhythm of your breath? Now I invite you to take a long, deep breath through your nose and breathe into your belly. 
the belly expands. Breathe out and relax. Take another long deep breath in, into your belly. Belly expands and relax. And now take a long deep breath again into your belly and continue to breathe even into your chest. Very good. Breathe out first belly and then the chest. Breathe into your belly, up to the chest. Breathe out belly and chest. Keep on breathing in a couple of more of these wave breaths without any effort. That's key. Effortless breathing. So many things in life we do with effort. Can you relax? And then you can breathe normally again. For a moment keep your eyes closed. Observe your breath. Can relax your hands. Just let go. When you feel ready, you can open the eyes again. How was it for you? How do you feel? Um, I strayed. Okay. My thoughts. That's okay. bad. Okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe you can ask them. They can share how they feel. Christoph, you are an amazing presenter, says Anonymous. Oh, yeah. Thank you so, so much. They f feel already better. <laughs> That's great. So let me just complete. This was the wave breath. And um, incredible research has shown that is important about uh, emotional intelligence. Here, uh, participants of a study had about two-week uh, breathing training, just a couple of minutes a day. And um, after that, they divided the group into two parts. Both of the groups had to look at some horror movies. And they would experience fear. Now one group was asked to not only do that, but also when they look at the horror movies, observe their breath. Imagine you're sitting there, observing your breath, watching a horror movie. Interestingly, after the movie, they said that they didn't experience as much fear as the other group who didn't observe the breath but they objectified these findings also. With the MRI, they looked at the activity of the brain and they found that the group who observed the breath had less activity of the amygdala, which as we know now, indicates less fear and more activity of the prefrontal cortex. They were able to think clearly and understand these images cannot hurt me. An emotional distance. How amazing is that? So the breath is important. And now, I want to come back, and I will skip over this one. I want to come, up to the, come back to the starting point. I started saying that I would have loved to connect to you and meet you personally. And we reflected together that in the, social, in the digital space, it's more difficult to experience empathy and connection, which is vital. Now, though, what is the most important factor for empathy? Research has an answer. A very interesting piece of research here. 
um, on presence and empathy. And that's my last slide, my second last slide, so you don't worry. <laughs> so what they did here, students in the theology were delivered the very powerful parable of the Good Samaritan. So it's a parable from the Bible, which is all about giving and taking care. Now, while they were preparing and then going to deliver the session, they were stopped. And there were three groups. The first group was told, hurry up very fast, you're late. You need to hurry up, you're late. The second group was told, you know, the studio assistant is waiting, make sure you're in time. And the third group was not told anything, they were just walking up very relaxed. And then they staged an experiment. There was somebody lying on the floor. Now imagine, you are going to deliver a speech on how to be a good Samaritan, to how to be a good servant to the God. And now you're hurrying up and somebody is lying. Are you going to help? The answer is very, very few. Will you believe only 10% of the group which was in a hurry had enough empathy to help? But 65% of the, 63% of the group which was relaxed and not in a hurry stopped and helped. Interesting, no? So it is about resource, and time is resource, and energy is resource. So if you have your resource, you're ready to share. If we, exactly. If we are stressed, if we are in a hurry, if I'm stressed because the time is over, my ability to empathize and connect is reduced. Because as you're saying, all the resources are on survival, right? I need to make it in time. So if we want to make sure that in our offices, in our organization, in your organizations, people do connect, empathize, and collaborate. Let's make sure they are actually present. As you're watching right now in this digital space, where is your mind? Your body is in front of the screen, but where's the mind? That space where we are truly present is that space where we can connect. And that's why these six aspects of emotional intelligence are absolutely vital. And the foundation for social awareness and relationship management is self-awareness and self-management. With that, I again want to wish this country and this beautiful city and the organizers, Daniels, all of you, the very best. I send my heartfelt wishes and my love to all, to all of you. Stay healthy. Thank you. Thank you, Christoph. I have um, one question. We uh, filled um, the scale of um, emotional intelligence of our viewers, and the average, uh, average score was 7.6. Yeah. Mostly 7.8. So what, where it stands from the normal, from the <laughs> general normal? Okay, I want to answer the following way. Uh, a very interesting research was uh, staged. People were asked whether they are self-aware. 95% of the people in that experiment said, yes, I'm very self-aware. Then the colleagues of these people were asked, is this person self-aware? You know what was the result? 15% <laughs> said, well, this person actually judges him or herself very well. So I think while I would say this is an amazing score, and probably it's interesting not to blame ourselves, but to just ask a couple of friends, how, how do you experience me? You know, how emotional intelligence am I? Um, and, and it will be just interesting to learn from them. Um, but, um, will more emotionally intelligent people give them higher score 
or lower score than they are? Um, the more emotionally intelligent we are, we would give an adequate score because right. that's the first building block, self-awareness. All right. Yeah. And uh, question, apart from breathing, yes. that is very effective, yes. how else can managers maintain emotional intelligence when working with employees who challenge it constantly? Um, indeed, breathing is not the only way. There are many ways. Yep. You know? There are cognitive ways. You can um, manage your mind from the level of the mind. And then there are somatic ways to deal with it. I would say the more intense the emotion, the less the cognitive approach works. Because emotion, actually, interestingly, is a, a, a physical phenomenon, and we have to deal with it on a physical level. Mm -hmm. And you need to find your own way. We're all unique. So don't settle for breathing. Go in search of it. Uh, you can also visit our webpage, read more about it, or just kind of go into the web and start discussing. It's fascinating. It's complex, and there's not one answer, because it deals with nothing less than our human complexity, right? Because the answer is, once amygdala is taking over, yeah. and uh, it happens especially with the people who are very emotional, yeah. and only those who really care are very emotional. Yes. So it looks like you can be more relaxed and more uh, rational if you don't care so much. True. And uh, it's quite unfair that employees <laughs> yes. who are very emotional because yeah. they do care, yes. very often yeah. uh, are the victims of amygdala. True. And more likely than not, actually, these people who are very emotional are loved, liked, appreciated, and promoted because of what? Because of their passion, because of their emotion. <laughs> but, but in the meeting, they will be the ones to blow exactly. up. Exactly, yeah. It, it, it is indeed unfortunate. Um, uh, so, and as you're saying, so research has happened with people who have a damage in the amygdala, they, they don't show any empathy. They cannot connect anymore. We don't want that kind of people, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but we want people who can kind of um, enjoy the beauty of it, connect, but also, um, let's say, take a con conscious decision when to express and when not. You know, when we are with our children, sometimes we have to show anger. But it should be showing anger, anger out of a conscious decision and not exploding because I didn't have any other choice. And learning how to say I'm sorry. <laughs> well, uh, Christoph, <laughs> thank you very much. So captivating and such a great presentation. Thank you. Thank and, you. Uh, you. Love this presentation. I felt like I was on spot, not by the screen. Okay. And thank you. You explained it very well. Even with some complex words, it was still easily understandable. Thank you. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thank you for your great moderation. It was a pleasure. All the best. Welcome. Thank you.